I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah, I raised a grand for November. So, you know, I said I'd get a mullet if I reached my goals. So, I don't know. I'm excited. Let's go. Hey, done deal, man. So, what was the reason for raising the funds? Yeah, I, I've dealt with mental health challenges my whole life. Uh, and, you know, the Movember campaign just highlights like so many issues that men are facing, um, you know, when tackling their mental health. So, just a cause that I align with a lot combating stigma, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I just think. You good? How how dramatic did you want this mullet to be? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking something kind of like fairly subtle, I think. Nothing like too, too crazy. Okay, I hear you. I'm just going to pitch you on something. What if it was less? Uh, oh. Oh, yeah, no. It's, 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 a, it's a wreck. Did you start? Did you start the recording already? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, I I think it's I think it's going. Dude, no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed or like brightest star in the sky or whatever, but like a red blinking light seems pretty. Like I'm, it usually means we're going. Okay. You know? Well, I'm shit. I'm just making some tea. So you just you do your thing. I'll be I'll kick, be there. Kick like things two off. Seconds. Absolutely. Uh, all right. <clears throat> All right, uh, buckle up there, folks. This is uh, your new captain speaking. <laughs> Welcome back to Lights Wreck, the show where I, Kyle Moore's mental health and the flesh suit that houses me. That's terrifying. Yeah, so is that stash. Shut up. Okay, yeah, I'm almost done and I'm very much regretting this, so enjoy this while it lasts. Yeah, dude, sure. Take, take your time. I'm just, just vibing out. Yeah, 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 you don't say. Okay, all right. Captain back at the helm. What's up, guys? It's Kyle. Um, yeah, they know. I just, I just introduced you. Yeah, yeah. What's up, guys? Uh, this is the meat suit here. There you go. Love it. Uh, I really hope that everybody listening right now is doing well. I mean, we hope um, you're thriving, but obviously, you know, like... Ba- ba- baby steps. Exactly. It's been an interesting few weeks for us, um, and we'll get into that in a second, but obviously, you know, just kicking things off, I wanted to start by saying a, a huge shout-out to Hannah Gali uh, for the inspiration behind this week's intro. Um, just a, just a fantastic human being in general, love her and being the amazing friend that she is, you know, she wanted us to make sure that we plugged, uh, better tomorrow ahead of the holidays. Just just the best. Uh, So we'll talk about better tomorrow here in a sec, but, uh, yeah, man, lots of, um, I don't know, I guess describing it, I'd just say ups and downs, just how crazy things have been. Um, we'll get into it. Yeah. No, never lose sight of what this platform is. Get, go for it. Yeah. You know what, man? You're, you're absolutely right. Um, I guess what it is is like I'm caught up in the balance right now of what life could be and what it currently is. I mean, we have a lot on the go. Yeah, and a lot on the go and moving in a great direction. But I think that there's like this resistance to the possibility of good things, if that makes sense. Like, I think I'm getting caught up in the, but what if it doesn't work out? 
you know, how I want it to. Like, what if we have all these amazing things and it's just, it all falls flat. And if someone came to you right now and said the exact same thing that you're saying to me right now, what, what advice you're, are you You're going to make them? me take a spoonful of my own medicine. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'd say that it doesn't, like, if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't. And that you're still the person who came so close and that has gotten yourself to a point that has put yourself in, in such a, you know, exciting position. And even if it doesn't work out exactly how you want to, all it means is that you have to just step. It's going to hurt. It's going to be. It's going to be a bitch, but it just means that you got to step back up to bat. I mean, hell, think about it. Like, even if all the things that we want to happen, that we've worked so hard to make happen, do happen, there's always going to be things that we're working towards that don't happen. You know exactly how we want them to. We're just like, you know, we're just little specks of dust in the fabric of life, <laughs> and all we can do is enjoy the fabric to which we lay. Sometimes, as scary as it is, it's okay for things to be in the universe's hands. It's gotten us here. Yeah, regardless of what happened, dude, look at, look at this whole project, man. We've already won. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. Thank, thank you for that, by the way. Always, bro. And we've been stressed, and this makes us feel better. You know, talking through, vocalizing it all is what works for us. So, you know, so shit. Let's do the damn thing. I love it. Yeah, no, you're so right. I appreciate that. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Um, like you guys know, we love the guys over at Tether. All right, and if you're a man looking for a space to connect with other men uh, about mental health, then I recommend you head over to the Google Play or App Store today, download Tether, set up an account. It's so easy to get to get started. It takes a few minutes, and it's an opportunity to get things off your chest um, and, and just connect with a whole community who is going to be there and have your back. It is fantastic. You guys know we've talked about it so much. Tether is just—they're fantastic. So make sure to go check them out and support them because the holidays are a tough time. Also, with the holiday season right around the corner. You're probably wondering like, you know, what kind of things would make for just some like awesome stocking stuffers? You know, like you're thinking, hmm, I would love to give an awesome gift to literally any person in my life, but I want it to like, I want it to mean something. You know, well, I, listen, I would say to you, look no further than the absolute heat. All right, the heat over at www.bettertomorrow.world. You know, we got our hats, posters, stickers. They make amazing gifts, and 15% of all of those profits support mental health initiatives and charities in Canada. It's also giving someone the gift of acceptance and openness, which is, which is really cool. It's the gift of, uh, gift of a conversation. All of our pieces are designed specifically to spark conversations surrounding mental health in a casual way. So you get, like, a great high-quality product, and it has, like, a really powerful meaning behind it that, you know, might even just be that first step in the direction of having a conversation that maybe you've shied away from or haven't been able to have yet. Plus, it helps support your favorite mental health podcast. So there you go. It's always a plus. Of course. Of course. This week on the podcast, I am am so stoked to be sharing this incredible conversation with all of you uh, because this week on the pod, we are joined by the incredible Taylor Lindsay Noel. Uh, Taylor was a world-class gymnast. She was an Olympic hopeful. And at the age of 14, she suffered a life-altering spinal cord injury um, that left her wheelchair bound. Since her accident, she has transitioned from being a force in the gym to a force in, in basically, I would say a force in the boardroom because, you know, she's like the CEO of her own company. But, you know, that'd be a little bit cliche because she's basically just killing it in, like, way more aspects of life than I can even hope to mention. Um you know, she, she's become an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, disability advocate, host of the popular podcast Tea Time with Tay. Like, her entrepreneurial pursuits have culminated in the creation of Cup of Tay, uh, which is a luxury tea company who, back in 2020, got one hell of a cosign when they found themselves on Oprah's favorite things list. Um, she's amazing, and we couldn't be happier to have her on the pod. Taylor, welcome so much to Life's a Rag. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Well done. Yeah, nice little switch over The true honesty of how Taylor is right now. Taylor is a little bit stressed. Mm. I, it's uh, it's like what we were saying uh, before we started recording, but I, I'm in the middle of our busy season. It's Christmas. Yes. It's tea season. It's cold outside. People are wanting to grab that tea. So we naturally are busier, but um, especially after the year we've had uh, with the business, it's very overwhelming, but also extremely exciting. And I'm very grateful. So I am trying to get as much sleep as possible, but as you can probably see from under my eyes, not very much. Um, I yeah. can't see it at all. Don't, uh, don't even start. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm genu- genuinely, though, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. 
That's great. I'm really happy to hear that. And we will get into Cup of Tea very much uh, in the episode because, uh, you know, what you do with Cup of Tea has been incredible. And, and how it's become what it is today is such a is such a fascinating, like, unique story. And so um, definitely we'll, we'll be getting into it. Um, I mean, just speaking of like, you know, with this podcast, I've been really fortunate. Uh, you have a podcast yourself, uh, Tea Time with Tay. Uh, tea Time with Tay or Tea Time with Taylor? Tea time with Tay. Tea time with Okay. I, I was just making sure. I didn't know if I shortened it in my no, own head. Right. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what I had read. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember after we did, uh, Taylor and I, for those listening, uh, we did an episode of the uh, Ryerson Alumni Bounced uh, podcast. Um, and that's where I'd heard Taylor's story. We talked all about uh, kind of mental health post-grad. And, um, and, and just like truly a, a fantastic, fantastic individual and um, someone who, you know, has inspired me as a podcaster. And so definitely, um, you know, excited to, to have you here. I think the best place to kind of jump into it um, is really like almost like chronological. I think it's kind of to start from the beginning because what a wild ride it's been, but it had to start somewhere. And it's been kind of well documented that as um, as a youth, you were heavily, heavily involved in athletics. Um, you were a gymnast. You were on pace. Uh, we're, we're talking like Olympics. We're talking best of the world. Like this is world caliber athletics. And that's fantastic. Uh, and then there was a tragic fall that um, left you with life altering injuries. Yeah. Um, and I guess my biggest question is just kind of like after your fall, waking up or, or you know, being like, what was the, what was running through your head? And when all that was going on, you're, you're 14. You're a, you're a kid. I was a baby. I was like, it's yeah. so crazy. Like I, it's, it's been almost 14 years and I was yeah. a little baby. Um, mm -hmm. It was very difficult because at first I had no idea really what was going on. I didn't black out after I fell. I fell off the high bar and landed head first. Mm -hmm. um, so that was fun. But I initially, I didn't feel any pain. So it was quite confusing to me why my body wasn't moving. My coach at the time was yelling at me to get up and I was trying to, but nothing moved. And so mm -hmm. in that moment, the only way that I could come to terms with it was that my body must be a little bit stunned or I'm just so winded, I can't move. But as the next few minutes went along and I could not get up, the panic definitely started to sink in. And after going to the hospital and being taken to immediate surgery, it was only really when I woke up out of surgery that I realized, hmm, mm -hmm. there's something really wrong here. And getting to go, right. I didn't know what a spinal cord, it's weird because as an athlete, you know a lot about the body, but I knew absolutely nothing about what a spinal cord really did. And the best way I could describe my reaction was I'm like, to my doctor, I'm like, I guess that was really an important part of the body that I screwed up. And he's like, it's pretty, uh, it's... Doctor's like, yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah, it's a good guess. And I said, okay, crap. Um, of course, I would choose that, not choose, but end up. Mm. But um, it was it was hard because yeah. I went from being essentially one of the most independent people you could ever think of. Um, Body-wise, I could do things with my body that some people would only dream of ever doing. And going from right. that to initially needing someone to even just lift my arm or brush my teeth um it was i can't imagine yeah it was yeah yeah it was really devastating and it was uh beyond just me it was my entire family my friends my whole support system you never mm. you expect injuries broken bones but you never expect this and, yeah yeah so it was it was a lot yeah when you were going through that process of like you know, the actual, I, I've heard from other people that I've interviewed on the podcast or just from my own life uh, who have went through injuries similar to, to your own, not always exactly, um, that it's, it's kind of like the stages of grief when you're accepting that this is your new life and that this is like, it's a, it's a rebirth in a way, but not one that you were like, you know, Oh, I went to therapy. I went to rehab. And now I'm like, this is a new me. Like, it's not like a new year, new me kind of thing. It's like, Oh, a split second and now I wasn't expecting this. And now here it is. Like, what was that process like for you? What, you know, what was going through your, through your mind as you were like, okay, I got to be a new Taylor. I'm still the old Taylor, but this is a whole new environment that I have to learn. Absolutely. I, I definitely yeah. went through all of the seven stages of grief. I know there's like anger, denial, yeah. acceptance, 
um, there's more, but I'm blanking right now. But I went through it all. Oh, of course. Yeah. Initially, I was in complete denial. And when I mean complete denial, about a week after my accident, I remember looking at my friends and saying, hey, guys, you know, this is, I know this sucks right now, but, you know, when my body gets it back together, when I go back to high school, I'll probably just become like a cheerleader and do something less stressful than gymnastics. Like I was so in that headspace that this is fine. I will work hard. I will train hard. I will go to rehab. Everything will be fine. My body will get back together. And then I can choose to do something less taxing. I was getting to a point mm. in the sport anyway, where I was feeling very overwhelmed and stressed and a lot of pressure. It went from being fun to feeling like a job mm. and that right. never something you want. And that was, Especially not at 14 at too. 14, yeah. yeah. The thing that people always um, get, they always kind of forget is that the lifespan of a gymnast is mm, the true. shortest lifespan probably of almost any sport. Most of us tap out by 20 two if not like 20 so mm -hmm. at 14 i'm already getting to the point where it's like i put in years i only have a few years left to do this and yeah the pressure was so much and so i almost saw it as an opportunity when i first was injured i was like oh i could do something else right and then as acceptance started kicking and i realized that i would not be able to do that yeah. when anger and all the other negative parts of right. start to really take a toll and it was um that was a really it was hard to accept for sure. mm -hmm. was that uh, was that mindset of like okay um you know a slight pivot and i'm gonna get right back to like what i'm gonna do was that is that just kind of like innately who you are the idea of like even if i'm presented with insurmountable obstacles I'll, i i just have to pivot slightly like this is just you know one thing i'll pivot this way or was that more of an athlete's mindset it's 100 percent, and i think it's an athlete mindset because the more mm -hmm. athletes i talk to is it's the same thing we have whether it be in your your work or your life or relationships anything we approach I feel like life differently. And that's why I was like mm. in the future, if I am fortunate to have a family, like I still would put my children in sports because I think fundamentally it mm. gave me uh, a drive to do anything to the fullest. I grew up in an environment where every day I walk into the gym at the back, there's this massive sign that said in the pursuit of excellence. And I grew up mm. every day for nine years seeing that in it. Wow. It, it seeps into you and so i tried to, absolutely i try to like i took rehab as my new gymnastics i put as much effort into rehab as i did to gymnastics as i do into my schoolwork as i do to my mm. career now so it definitely helped me because um i saw the kids who were admitted who had never worked out a day in their life or never been pushed in that way uh mm. really struggled to get through even a basic PT session. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, to have that athletic background, I mean, I think that that definitely would make it easier. Obviously, yeah. you know, you say that with a great assault. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's <laughs> never going to be easy when you're, when you're going in. Yeah. You know, you go into the hospital and you come in and you're like, Oh, okay, well this is, this is different. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I think, uh, I, the idea of like that athlete athlete mentality, I think helps so many people with the mental health process um, of, of it is sometimes like sometimes you do have the odds stacked against you and you seem to be up against an insurmountable ob like obstacle. But at the same time, you know, there is no one path to, to winning or there's no one path to mastery. It's like, you have to, you have to find the way and sometimes the way will drastically change, but obviously you've went on to do some, some really, really incredible things. Um, one last thing I want to touch on about the grief process. Um, I think that one of my favorite things to talk about with people with the grief process is acceptance because I think for so many people, acceptance of something so extreme looks so very different. Yeah. Um, for some people, it might just be the first time I went out or the first time I went on a date or the first time I did something. And I'm really curious, like based on your experiences in your life, like what did acceptance look like to you? Acceptance came very slowly. Um, mm. I, I feel like I, the first little bit of acceptance I remember being what a lot of people don't know about me is that right after my accident, I was in sick kids for seven weeks and then taken to Blue Every Kids Rehab. I avoided going outside for three months. Like, and when I talk mm. about avoiding whenever, because every single day they would have 
scheduled time where someone comes around, they take you guys out on the grounds or whatever. I didn't make it past that front door for three months. And I was strategic with it. It wasn't even like, I would purposely tell one nurse I was going with another nurse and they would all think that I went out. And I realized now looking back, I was suffering from a little bit of agoraphobia, but more importantly, Mm. I was so going through that front door to that rehab, even on the grounds was presenting myself differently than I had ever expected. I had always pictured myself entering there and exiting there a completely different person. And the truth Mm. is, is that I entered there in a wheelchair and I left there in a wheelchair. So the first time I went outside, I just, I'm like, it hit me. I'm like, this is, Mm. this is life. And what are we going to do about it? And um, I think the second part of acceptance came when I transitioned back to high school. And I was now again, presenting myself as someone who entered the school in grade nine as Mm -hmm. top level athlete and is, was gone for a year and is now back as the quote unquote girl in the wheelchair. But more importantly, yeah. I'm like, who am I going to be now that I'm not Taylor the gymnast and I'm just Taylor. And that was yeah. like the journey to figuring out who I was. <laughs> yeah, which is huge, especially at such a young age. I remember when I was 14, 15, if you had have said, hey, I need you to basically change your identity yeah complete 180 i would have i would have completely you know had no i wouldn't have been able to do it like you know straight up and i think like i i mean how how were you how was it perceived when you got back to school like how did you perceive the whole experience because i just the i mean the dynamic between the last time they saw you national like you know caliber gymnast And now that being completely, that being taken away, like, you know, how did you perceive that experience? People were very, so the crazy thing is that because I was such a quote unquote quote, super athlete when I went in grade nine, I was in a normal school for the first time, but still part, there was an extra program called the AFCA program, which is the academic program for gifted athletes. So Essentially, what that meant is that whenever we'd have to travel for weeks at a time, our schoolwork was accommodated, we got to push back exams, all those things. So we are part of a regular school, but people still knew us as the athletes. And that is like 100% who I was. And so when I went away, and people heard that I went to rehab, people just automatically assumed that rehab meant I had some kind of like steroid addiction or like a drug addiction, something. And so when I came back, and I was in a wheelchair, people were like, huh? What happened? (laughs) And so there was tons, actually, when I first went back to school, there were tons of rumors that I Mm. did, had done something drug-wise, which I've never, oh my god, I've never done any hard, yeah, let's just add that to the equation, eh? Yeah, I've never done any hard drug ever in my life, Um, and people thought that something, I had some kind of weird complication from something like that, Mm -hmm. and so having to first tell people no, that's not what happened. And eventually mm. my school had an assembly actually to explain what happened, which was so embarrassing. Um, oh my God. I gave people a different perspective of who, what had happened. And right. from then I was just surrounded by nothing but love and care and Good. went on to get really involved in school during student council. Um, yeah, you were uh, you were student body president the next year. Uh, by my last year, I was student body president. Not bad. Yeah, and uh, the first the first year after going back to school, I was um, I was student rep for the school, and yeah, by the last year, I was president. So I think that was just such an opportunity to. I love people. I love getting involved, and mm-hmm. um, it helps me find myself and what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I've got something for you. I think yeah. it, it does kind of tie a little bit into the uh, the self-identity grieving process and everything. Um, but, you know, just as like I was getting ready for this episode, um, you know, this is this was one that I was I was looking forward to so much and uh, plugging away through through some a uh, little bit of research. And I came across something that you wrote that I, I know. Right. So this is I don't oh, usually no. do this kind of stuff. I never do this kind of stuff okay. where I'm like where I'm like, I would like you to explain yeah. this this quote from a from a mindset. But I think this was written about um, maybe possibly another person or or more of a romantic feeling. But when I read it, based on your story, I, it really made me think of more kind of like inner relationship. And I'll just kind of read it out here and maybe we can kind of get into it. Sure. Um, so 
you wrote down uh, here together, but emotionally worlds apart. I've never known such a painful distance. And to me, the idea I, I delve into a lot of self-talk on my podcast. Um, I have the personification of my mental health that I co-host this podcast with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I've interviewed myself on the podcast. like self relationship is something that I've put a ton of work into. Um, can you explain that quote from a position of like self-identity? 100%. So I actually wrote, it's, oh my God, it's so interesting to hear someone read back your work. Oh my gosh. I haven't thought about that one specifically in a really long time, but that a lot of people who read it, you know, take that as a relationship quote and of course. saying that, which I, which I love, like I mm-hmm. go for it whatever works for people. But I actually wrote that about myself um, mm. in a relationship and emotionally worlds apart. I found myself really disconnected from who I was or who I thought I was going to be from a very young age. I was just so certain I was going to be that athlete, the Olympian. That was my journey. That's who I was going to be. I was so set in stone about it. And so having what happened to me happen and having to rediscover me as a person, I just didn't know how to connect with myself. Mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't, I didn't know who I was anymore. It was like, it was almost like breaking up with yourself or like a death in your yeah. own head and it was a very difficult thing to come to terms with and so i just felt like Absolutely. i was emotionally i'm one person in one body but i felt like emotionally i was two entirely different people and on two different maps and so i mm. kind of leaned into the relationship type quotes because i know that's what mm-hmm. some of my readers like to read but it really was a personal personal thing how did you know that i'm so curious how did you know that that was might have been written about me i'm curious just the way that just the way that it was written i i was going through it and it was just one that caught my eye and i was like here together but emotionally worlds apart and i just kind of i thought it sounded like my own relationship with myself and that's kind of like i was thinking you know both of us having um our own issues with mental health or struggles with mental health throughout our lives Mm -hmm. i think that like there was such a familiar feeling yeah yeah reading it I was just like that just I completely understand that you know you are here together I'm never without my mind I'm never without my higher self or other self or whatever you'd want to say but at the same time I feel like so many times throughout my life I have been just painfully distant from that person and it's left me feeling lonely and like I just need someone and so when I was like looking at that I was like based on your experiences like I don't think that's about somebody else like I think that's about you so I mean that's 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 really beautiful that um you know, you were able to lean into that. What did leaning into that look like for you? How were you able to rebuild that relationship with yourself? Uh, it took time. It took a lot. Yeah. It was not easy. It was something that did not come overnight. Um, I struggled a lot in the very beginning. I, I just thought I would never be able to find a time and place where I was just so happy with out some sort of external identity and right. being just Taylor didn't seem like enough. Mm-hmm. That made sense. I absolutely always was something. Taylor the pianist, Taylor the gymnast, Taylor something. Mm-hmm. But to just be me and have to navigate world the world and relationships with people who only knew me for I guess my personality and not what I right. did was very, yeah. very strange. I think it probably took me maybe four to six years to really develop myself as a person. And a lot of that having to be because I was, you know, young, I was a teenager and Mm -hmm. figuring out life. But I think once I actually hit university in Ryerson, I started to get my stride and really figure out who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I think the cool, you know, something that I, I find so interesting about that is the idea that it sounds like a lot of the things that you were known for, a lot of your identity was things that like, you know, you took what I would, what I would, you know, truly describe, and I'm not, uh, you know, I never want to come up here and uh, pump anybody's tires by any means, um, because I just think you're just a fabulous individual as a whole. And I, I'm sure you've been told it a million times, but you know, you've had such, it, it seems like you've been so special in the way that your mind has been able to do fabulous, wonderful things with your body, gymnastics, piano. These are all things that take like physical control of the body, but that like, 
that specialness that 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 something that like je ne sais quoi je ne that would have <laughs> that would have that would have led to all of these like physical things was still like it all started up here and so like that never left and so the idea that you've been able to i i think you know show people that you taylor are fantastic individual and always have been and always will continue to be just because you can't show that physically it doesn't mean anything like you know and i just think that that's you know that's that's really fantastic um (laughs) uh, yeah of course of course no i'm listen big fan um but uh you know as you were kind of going through this process um Talk to me about how like tea time with Tay and those conversations with people started to kind of play a role in that mental recovery and that mental kind of like finding yourself rebranding that identity of who is Taylor. Absolutely. When I first, when I was in university, I did internships with ET Canada and Global News. And I quickly realized that, you know, I, I was telling stories that I didn't really want to tell. I was telling mm-hmm. other people's stories that may not always interest me. And I thought, do I want to have a lifetime of telling and working for something that doesn't really drive me? And so the podcast space being somewhere that was so emerging and new and fun, not new necessarily, but new to me. And uh, well, it's, it's still, it's it's still, still like compared to other mediums. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. I feel that way too. And um, I just was like, this is my opportunity to do and tell the stories I want to tell and the stories I wanted mm-hmm. to share for people who I found inspiring, people who have been through some stuff and yeah. have come in on the other end. I've, I'm always one to champion a hero story. And by hero, I mean people who truly understand what I believe the essence of life is, is overcoming instrumentally like devastating situation mm-hmm. and still being able to push forward. Those are the people who I find the most strength from. So- they're the true it's the truest form of human storytelling exactly. the david versus goliath it's, exactly. it's the best and we all have it i think a lot of times when people hear my story they go you know i can't even imagine what that'd be like and i say my struggle is not any different from someone who has experienced cancer or someone who has had a loved one pass away mm-hmm. for me i haven't really experienced those things yet in life and so i don't know what that feels like but we all have something that we go through, we all have some form of baggage or difficult, quote unquote, baggage or difficult circumstance we work through. Mine just presents mm. as someone who's been in a wheelchair, um, mm. had a bad accident, but that's no different than someone who has mental health struggles, um, health issues, yeah. issues. I we all go through it, and I think that's where we really connect. Where where humans really connect. It's so funny because I think that like so much of life, especially now in this, uh, you know, age of social media and everything is dedicated to showing how little you suffer. How good is my life? How little do I? It's the highlight reel, right? It's how little do I suffer? But I think that those are always the stories that are just that bring people together so much because you can't understand the exact pain, but you do understand pain. The, the hurt of being human. It's everyone's gonna, gonna have something. So it's, I, I know that's my biggest, like what I love about the podcast is being able to have a place. I've always kind of saw, seen it as a, um, kind of like a curator at a museum where my job isn't necessarily to be the art. This podcast yeah. isn't necessarily meant to be the art. It's meant to house the stories of like fantastic, fantastic individuals who are just human. And I think that that's just so, that's so great is just to share the stories of people who are people. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, you are no exception to that by any means. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's, let's get it a little, uh, cup of tea. Um, and I was going to, and I apologize cause I was, I was literally, um, planning. I was getting all, all together cause I was going to get a cup of tea and be all ready to go for the episode. Uh, but, but surprise, surprise, I had, um, my, uh, super superintendent at my apartment knock and they're like, Hey, we're going to go change your countertops. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And thankfully that, yeah, thankfully they, uh, they got out of here like 15 minutes before we started recording. So I was like, okay, I'm trying to put my place back together and then hop on here. So I didn't have time, but, um, you know, these conversations that you were having with people, uh, over a cup of tea, I mean, like, what does tea mean to you like I, I think that that's just such a funny bonding agent people are always like why, why tea like how why why tea like, yeah exactly nobody I always say nobody grows up being like when I'm when, when you're younger you're like I want to be a vet I want to be a doctor I want to be a firefighter no one's like I want to be 
a tea lady like what? <laughs> it wasn't a dream that I uh, I particularly had for myself but one that mm-hmm. totally makes sense now that I'm here tea has always been a source of comfort a sense of home in a in a medium that was used to have really great conversations in my household my house was the, always a house that people came to to gather we would sit at mm, our table our island beautiful. and my mom would put on a cup of tea and we just like we call our house like the vortex once you come it's really difficult to leave like you will be here. that's great that's you so think great. You're for 10 minutes you're here for a couple hours and the conversations that I look back at and that really shaped me as a person and so when I thought about I kind of went I, I never really realized how much I guess of a quote-unquote business mindset I had until recently but when I started my okay. podcast I was like okay we need to have something that'll allow me to be open to sponsors and that's as you know that's the way you make money in a podcast space absolutely and so I thought you know if I drank tea had great conversations it was just natural tea time would take kind of just flowed and it was an opportunity to reach out to different tea companies and hopefully work with them and so as Mm. I progressed I started reaching out to different companies the most notable being David's Tea Hoping, I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> hoping and praying because I spent thousands of dollars with them every single year. Right. Like I was obsessed. Uh, hoping that I I always say I would not have started a cup of tea if it sent me like one pack of tea. I would have been like, oh, look at us. We're just, we're thriving. Oh my gosh. Like, wouldn't even be. Uh-huh. Listen, as a struggling podcaster myself, I will say that one little thing would just like, Different. oh my God. Yeah. It would make my day. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I thought I could at least get a bag of tea for free. Yeah. I, never, I never heard anything back. And so That's crazy. I, David T, you fumbled, fumbled the bag. You fumbled the bag. You fumbled the bag a little bit because that was the catalyst where I was like, okay, if they're not going to sponsor me, I'm going to damn it, this, I'll do it myself. I'll make this company sponsor myself and eventually it'll attract other sponsors. And uh, I, I realized in the process, like, oh, if I do this, it could be like another source of income. This could be something that hopefully makes me money on the side. But as I got more and more into it, I was like, if I'm going to dedicate this much time to it, I'm going to do it and do it well and do it different. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, Cup of Tea really represents a very new feel in mm-hmm. a very old space. Uh, tea is one of the oldest businesses you got around. And um, from what our customers have the feedback, I think we really have made a, a, a small mark in a very big industry. Well, a big Absolutely. mark in a small. In a, in a yeah, I was going to say, don't be calling that a yeah, small mark. There's no way. I think we're making a big, a big mark in a very crowded industry, and I think that's yeah. what keeps me excited. And I'm starting to see competitors do some other things too, but I'm just like, hey, that's fine. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Let's, let's exactly. Go. Let's go ahead to have hey, it happen. Yeah. Who said that that uh, athlete mindset doesn't translate over to the business world? I My know, goodness. Yeah. What was, uh, I mean, listen, starting a business uh, at any point in your life, incredibly difficult. I've tried to do it. I've been working through it with Life's a Rec, uh, starting Life's a Rec Media, and then the um, Better Tomorrow with our, our clothing and uh, getting everything set up that way. And it is a process for anybody who's out there who's like oh i'm gonna start a business like get ready to dedicate months months years like your whole life um to to this pursuit how like you know that that's already difficult as it is let alone when you're going you know you're you're in a wheelchair you have to adjust your life and how you do things and have people around to support you i mean like just I, I would just love to know how that was for you. I, I don't really have any like specific like, hey, you know, what was this little thing? But like, just how was that? I was um, when I first had the idea to do this, I was terrified to really say anything to anyone. I had been so. It's weird, like I had the most supportive people in the entire world around me, but it's almost like because they're so incredible, I don't want to let anybody down. So I was like, let right. me just do do this and move and quiet and if I decide I don't want to do it no one will ever know I can fail um yeah. but you know as products started showing up logos started coming together it, it really it was it was crazy because I had so much going on I have you know I have nurses I have physiotherapy I have my own physical challenges but I just was so dedicated to creating something for myself I realized that 
as much as I have all these challenges, I'm so dedicated to the goal. Oh, and also growing up in a sport where I saw a lot of families who had generational wealth, which is mm. not my life, which is not that at all. I was like, this is my opportunity to really create something amazing for not only myself, but my family and hopefully my future family. Absolutely. And um, yeah, when I had that kind of fire lit under me, there's really nothing that stopped me every single day working on it every single day, staying up until two, three o'clock in the morning, even still to this day, some days, um, talking mm. to my manufacturers who might be overseas, working on products and really figuring out how to be different. It's very, very similar to podcasting. It's so hard to be different, but once mm-hmm. you find your thing, you just run with it. Yeah, and, and you did. You ran with this thing because how long was the... Uh, the process from the inception of starting the brand to then having the brand basically become like, like we're talking like it, it, the brand becomes like cup of tea. It's not like cup of tea anymore. It's like, it's cup of tea. Yeah. It, it, about a year, about a year and three months. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. I finished in yeah. and then it took a couple of months to travel. I traveled a mm. bit. And then when I got home, I was like, I'm doing this. And just dedicate because it's like you don't think it would take this long but it it just it took me time because I knew I only had one opportunity to launch like you have one opportunity to make a first impression and I knew our impression had to be big I I wanted to do it around Christmas we're actually celebrating our third year on November 25th so yeah it's just it's been the most incredible journey and so I, I will say though it is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life um, Mm -hmm. continues to be it's very very challenging do you like having that challenge in your life though I do I I feel like a little bit of a masochist like I just like (laughs) it's like oh the pain but I'm just keep putting yourself through this let's do it again and like I already have ideas for like the next like generation of what I want to do with my life and I already know I'm like Taylor girl are you not already yeah. exhausted? But I'm like, we can do it. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's that, it's that continuous push. It's like, you know, like, yeah, sure. You know, I've been pushing this boulder up a hill for a while, but like there's another boulder over there that I think I got this one in a good spot. I think I can go over there and start pushing this one too. Yeah, that's that's me. And anyone who knows me knows that like this cup of tea is right now, but there are so many things, a lot of things that are actually already in process that are, coming down the pipeline for very excited yeah i'm really i'm so excited it just it, i'm so excited for you that's fantastic yeah, creating is just like one of the most amazing things and i mm. having done this in the way that we have and growing it to what it is um it makes it a little bit easier for the next thing um yeah i just it's, it's all the it's the steps <laughs> in the ladder I totally, trust me my cheeks are hurting from smiling i i, 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 <laughs> I good that means that means uh yeah that means we're on a that means we're on a good path yeah. um okay. i don't think you're gonna st- stop smiling because i would really love to hear um the oprah story i know that it's one of those things that is probably asked every time you hop on anything but like what a cool experience um you know to like listen i grew up watching watching oprah with my mom as she would cook and always every time you heard about oprah's favorite things it was always exciting and oh you know what's it's going on the christmas list so so give me the give me the story how did Oprah become involved with Cup of Tea? Oh my God, in the most incredible way. I uh, Fantastic. I had my accident on July 15, 2008. Mm-hmm. And on July 15, 2020, I wake up to an email from Oprah's team being like, we found you online. Your products look amazing. We'd like to consider you for the December issue. In my head, I already knew what that meant because I have only subscribed to one magazine my entire life. It's Oprah Magazine. Every single one of our Fantastic. Bedrooms, every single one of our bedrooms and bathrooms in this house has an Oprah magazine in it. My mom and I, like you, grew up watching Oprah together. And so Mm -hmm. for them to find my baby company before we even reached two years was insane. And it turned into week, well, the story as a lot of people have heard now know that I thought it was fake, the email at first. So I deleted it. And then I couldn't get even it. on the day, I even on the anniversary of the accident, you still thought it was fake. You thought there was no was way that like, this was a sign. I, I thought it was a sign, but then I also thought it was a joke. Like it's like this is a sick joke. 
I was going to say, that's one hell of a sick joke. It would be, and I mean, in my life, you know, there's tons of crazy sick jokes that right. happen. Well, okay, just, like, I was like, okay, like, let's tap this on. <laughs> yeah. But um, it ended up, I deleted it and then eventually I couldn't get it out of my head and I talked it over with my mom and she's just like, call the number. And I called and it ended up being very real and turned into weeks and months of sending product, really curating and windling down what it would look like creating a product that we didn't have. We didn't have the cup of tea, Lux Organic Tea Set, um, mm. a product on the site at the time. And it's something we created with them and her team. And then eventually I remember the email where I was told to send it to Oprah's house and Gail King's house, her best friend. And just even getting her address, my email address, I'm like, this has to be illegal. Like this cannot yeah, absolutely. be normal. Um, but they gave it to me and I kissed it on the way out. And I told the mailman because <laughs> I had sent it over DHL, like over like express delivery. And I said, yeah. guard this with your life because this is the most important package I've ever sent. And we got the feedback that she loved it. And That's fantastic. I'm just imagining the postman being like, this is just, this is a tea set. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is the most important well, package. Well, yeah, and that's the thing too. It's like, they, so it was sent to her home in Santa Barbara, but mm-hmm. um, we couldn't put her name on it because- of course. You don't want her name to be on a thing. And so I was like, like breathing so heavily. And I remember looking at the tracking like for the next 24 hours so intently. But it ended up getting there safely. And Amazing. when we launched, it was it's like people talk about the Oprah effect. I did not know what to expect. Um, it exceeded expectations. We had orders beyond what I feel like we could even like I was so overwhelmed. That's speaking of mental health. I was experiencing the most incredible thing that's ever happened to me at the same time while mentally struggling. I was stressed. I didn't, I wasn't sleeping. I was exhausted. I was scared. And Mm -hmm. um, I actually ended up doing online therapy during the height of everything because I needed it. So. And good for, good for you for recognizing that you needed it, though, and not like saying, oh, once this I feel like so many people go once this crazy, busy yeah. time of my life is over, myself included, I'm guilty for it sometimes as well, where I'll go through a period of a few weeks where I'm like, you know, it's win after win after win where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm booking great podcast guests. I booked a couple of public speaking events, blah, blah, blah. But then all of a sudden, like the actual work kicks in and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed, but I'll just take care of myself once I'm done. And the fact that you did it during, that's, I mean, that's amazing. The foresight for it only became, came, was only there because of my past experiences. I've seen what happens uh, to my mind when I let myself go and run myself to the ground. And mm-hmm. I get, I could get into a very dark space and I've been there before and I yeah. never, ever, ever want to go back there. And so even before we launched, I remember having a conversation with myself. I talked to myself a lot. Um, and as you should, I, I think everyone should. I think, I, think people, I think more people do than they admit, but um, they never say it. And so I remember saying to myself, This is going to be the most incredible experience of your life, mm-hmm. but you need to make sure that you don't lose yourself along the way. And the only way that I could think of really protecting myself was to ensure that I got therapy and Mm. it's hard because I didn't and I didn't tell anyone I actually didn't not even my mom I didn't say anything I just did it myself Mm. and because I it's hard to complain when you feel like this is an opportunity it's an opportunity of a lifetime like something like that will likely never happen to me again and all these people around you being like this is amazing this is amazing and I'm like who am I to complain that I'm exhausted who am I to complain that I'm like stressed when this is something people would kill for but mm-hmm. I knew better to know that blessings can also come with a lot of hard times and I needed mm-hmm. to take care of me. So I did. That's amazing. That's amazing. How, how, how do you take care of yourself now? What, what kind of stuff do you do for you? Because I mean, and I want to preface this by saying, while you were talking about it, I was kind of thinking and I was like, you were a high level athlete at 14, mm-hmm. went through a traumatic injury and all of the recovery, became a young entrepreneur all of this happened relatively in my, you know, just based on my perception very quickly. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, throughout that time, how did you have, how did you nourish your own soul? Like, how, how did you have fun? How did you enjoy life during all of the craziness? 
Uh, and and yeah. still, how do you do that to this day? It's definitely changed and developed over time. I've always had an incredibly close knit friend group. Um, my friends, they're so funny. Like if they were to hear me, because we rag on each other all the time. Really, <laughs> as as all good friends all do. They, but then when I go into these interviews, I'm like, they're so lovely. I'm like, they're the biggest handfuls you'll ever meet. <laughs> I've never been in been so lucky to have the most loyal people in my life and my friends are like my sisters we they've seen Mm. me at the worst moments of my life and stuck by me and some of them we weren't even overly in contact at the time but the ones but they came back and that for me is something that is irreplaceable when I talk about my circle of people I am a lot of people will say that their friends are acquaintances with me but I have actually a very small core people who I trust because they were there before me before and after, and that is a bond you can't ever replace. And so they are people along with my family who I leaned on significantly. We make it a point pre pandemic to, especially my friends, we get together like once every week and a half for now in our older days, wine and pizza before like just to eat. Lovely. Yeah. Right. And so before I was just going over to someone's house, um, but really just making sure you, my entire thing is actually leaning on the people I love. I My support system is everything for me and we are mm. very consistent on being there for each other. Other things I like are writing. Um, mm-hmm. I always say that writing saved me from myself when I wasn't able to communicate how I felt or what I was going through, I would write. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I really think without writing, I don't know where I would be. And yeah, it's, it's crazy because it's, it's so important to me. Having that creative outlet is huge. That's what I, I learned through the podcast. This was my writing. This was, I didn't, uh, you know, I love to write, but I was always, uh, you know, I always loved the the power of voice. And when I didn't know how to express what I was going through, I figured, well, I'll just turn a mic on and see if something comes out. Yeah. And then, and it just kind of like, it, it feels good. And then it was just like, oh, this makes me feel good. I'm going to keep doing it. Yada, yada, yada. Here we are. That's why um, I started my podcast, actually. I I have yeah. video diaries that I keep bolted and locked under like <laughs> security. But I would of course, do, naturally. I would do these video diaries on my photo booth and just cry and talk and talk it out. And then mm-hmm. as I got more consistent with it, I'm like, this could, but I started liking podcasts and yeah, so I totally understand that. Put it somewhere. Get it out of my brain. Put it on something. I hope. I literally hope nobody ever sees those because they are so embarrassing. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> like live. Yeah. yeah. I've probably got some, uh, you know, like uh, lost recording somewhere that uh, I probably wouldn't want to, to find its way onto Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Um, Taylor, I mean, I, I really appreciate um, all of your you know, openness, uh, throughout this whole conversation. And, uh, definitely from uh, one Ryerson alum to another, uh, you know, I definitely think that what you're doing is just fantastic. And I, I think that if anybody's, you know, you just, you just, there is something about you that I just think is, is truly, you're just, you're just doing the thing. And I just love to see it. Um, I love to end my episodes, um, by, and I'm sure that we will uh, chat again because this has been fantastic. Um, but, I love to end the episodes by asking my guests to put forth a challenge. Um, it is something uh, that my listeners can implement into their uh, their day, their week, their month, their life in general. Just something that they can do to live a happier, healthier, more fulfilled, purposeful life. And you have obviously had quite the life experience, um, you know, a roller coaster of life experience for sure. And I was just big, based on everything that you went through, what is a challenge that you would put forth that maybe you do in your own life to mm-hmm. stay in, in tip top mental shape uh, that you'd like to pass along to my listeners? I challenge your listeners to, to choose, to choose peace. And what I mean by mm, choose peace, mm. I mean in the mornings where I wake up and I don't feel like doing anything. And again, this probably comes back to my, athletic mindset I think I always choose the hard route for things I don't necessarily if I see like a straight road I'm like but look at this curly windy one over here like this looks just so much more fun and some days it's so much harder to be happy than not like for a long time most days and so 
I would challenge myself to choose happiness today, no matter how hard, like find one thing that I have that I can be grateful for and just throw my energy into that one thing. And so for me, sometimes I'd wake up and don't feel like that, like, like, oh, I can't move my body or like, I'm so, my pain, my pain levels are so high today from nerve pain. And I'm like, but Mm. I have an incredible best friend who I'm going to call in like an hour from now and she's going to tell me something funny and I know I can feed into that. And it really, Mm -hmm. for me, that helps to change my mindset. I know it's not easy. I know it's Mm -hmm. not easy, but I try to choose happiness every single day until it becomes a practice that I don't really have to do. And I did that for a very long time. But then it, I woke up one day and I was like, I didn't really have to try. Mm. So choose happiness on the days that are hard and lean into even one thing that you know you can be grateful for. Because no matter your circumstance, if you woke up that morning, that is something that someone didn't get the privilege of doing. So even if you're in a depressive state and you're under your blanket for the entire day, that heartbeat means that you were given an opportunity that someone else wasn't that's something to be mm. before. So mm. yeah, choose peace and choose to be, choose happiness on the days that are the hardest. That's so great. And so a word that you said in there, practice. Happiness is a practice. Okay. Like it is one of those things, especially, you know, going through mental health struggles, you're not going to just wake up happy. That is the reality of it. It no. is something that you have to put in work or- and it is hard and it is exa- exhausting, but you can like, you can teach yourself how to be happy. Yeah. And I think that like the fact that you called it practice, I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, Taylor, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll definitely be putting all of the links for everything uh, that you do in the description of this podcast episode. But is there anything in particular that be, as we kind of wrap up today, um, any, any organizations or any, any socials that you want to, uh, you know, particularly plug right now? Uh, by all means, the floor is yours. Absolutely. So you can follow me. The easiest way to find me and follow me, or if you have any questions, you can follow me at Taylor LN, T A Y L O R L N on Instagram, Twitter. It's all the same. Um, all of those Instagrams lead back to everything. I have all my other links in my bio, but my company is called Cup of Tay. So it's like Cup of Tea with a V A, and you can find us at www.cupoftea.com. Um, and if you want to support an incredible organization, uh, a com- an organization that I absolutely love and adore is Spinal Cord Injury Ontario. Um, they do really great things for awareness and research for uh, and rehab for people with spinal cord injuries, and they're very dear and near to my heart. Amazing. And always Always Yeah, my company. We also uh, we also donate to CAMH uh, one of our products, so um, support them because they're incredible. Amazing. Yeah, no, that we were uh, with our first Better Tomorrow drop, we're supporting uh, CMHA in New Brunswick. So that's, uh, you know, hey, I love it. I love it. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much. Like, honestly, like really, 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 really thank you. This has been just a just a blast to talk with you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to connect and I'm sure we will find ways to do something again in the future. You know what? There's just something about these Ryerson alums. I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, I hear they're a good bunch, you know? Yeah. Taylor's amazing. Yeah, such a beautiful soul. Like, yeah, to be faced with so much adversity and to not not just, like, pivot in life, but to, like, explode into the depths of what she's capable of, discovering this deeper sense of self, like, it, it inspires me. It inspires me a lot. All right, how, how so? Elaborate. By the way, I just have to say, I like this dynamic of you, like, wanting me to go more in depth. Oh, I, I'm curious. I, I think Taylor's, I think Taylor's amazing. I'm just curious how she inspires me. Well, I, I, I think it inspires me because at times in my life, I've had difficulty pivoting into, like, new lanes or just to, you know, adjust um, to what I would only describe as, like, speed bumps in my life. Um, but I, I, I think for me, like, I've had a tough time grappling with the control over the day-to-day and to just learn from someone like Taylor who has had to adapt to such major life changes and to ha- and to continue down a road of self-discovery and continue to blossom into the unbelievable human being that she is today it it inspires me i just i love it she's a teacher through her mindset and action that's that you nailed it like some people just have this gift of teaching through how they live like how they are active participants in their life. I think that that's huge, how they are active participants in their life. There, I love it. Put it, put it on a t-shirt.
everyone go like please please go check out all of uh taylor's socials which will be linked in the description of this episode and while you're there you know give us a follow on the pod too because uh get all your favorite podcast updates and you just get to see our lovely face once and as we approach the holiday season make sure first of all you know take care of yourself so this this can be a really tough time of year so cut yourself some slack and uh, follow at bettertomorrow.world on instagram for all better tomorrow holiday updates we love you all we appreciate you all you beautiful wrecks you and uh you know just remember that uh Life's a wreck. See you in two weeks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.